What is up, everybody? JT Sports here. Back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my NFC South 2022 record predictions. We're going to be going over my best case scenario, my worst case scenario, and my overall record predictions for all four teams in this division. If this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, Welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore and on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. Lastly, if you didn't know already, every single video that is uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on every single podcasting platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, the JT Sports Podcast is available also, make sure that you like the video and subscribe to the channel because I upload NFL videos and college football videos daily. The Atlanta Falcons, in their first year under head coach Arthur Smith, went 7-10. and They weren't all that competitive against some of the best teams in the NFL. However, they were able to have a good amount of success against the lower-end teams. And going into this season... They have a lot of questions on both sides of the football. You look at the offensive line, it doesn't look good outside of Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom. There's a bunch of questions there. Now, the wide receiver position is really interesting because it's a mixed bag. You have a lot of potential here because you do have wide receivers who are really big and really physical you drafted drake london in the first round of this past year's nfl draft out of usc he i think is going to have a really good rookie season he's been making a lot of plays for the falcons so far throughout training camp brian edwards is really interesting this is somebody who has a lot of potential but The Raiders were willing to trade him simply for the fact that he is somebody who struggles to create separation, getting off the line. He's not really a great route runner. However, he is a really good deep ball threat due to the fact that he is really good at catching 50-50 balls. So he could potentially be a really good red zone target for Marcus Mariota in this offense. And if he can develop a little bit more as a route runner and improve his ability to create separation, he could be a really good receiver in Atlanta you also have Alden Tate who also is a big body wide receiver and pretty much has similar strengths and weaknesses to Brian Edwards doesn't really create great separation however is really good catching 50-50 balls downfield so for this wide receiver position where's the speed because outside of Amalia Zacchaeus and Demary Bird, you don't really have any. So how are they going to be able to stretch the field without having that game-breaking speed? It's going to be really interesting. On top of that, you look at Kyle Pitts. He pretty much was the majority of the passing game for the Atlanta Falcons last year. He had the greatest rookie season that we have ever seen from a rookie tight end. So I'm expecting him to continue to have a phenomenal second year with Atlanta and then you look at the running back position you have Cordell Patterson who pretty much was their do-it-all back he was really good catching the football out of the backfield and he was really good when it comes to fantasy football because I had him on a couple of my squads I was pleasantly surprised with how well he performed for Atlanta in 2021 this season 
Many people think that he probably is going to get a little bit phased out of this offense because you do have Damian Williams and rookie out of BYU, Tyler Igier, who many Falcons fans are really excited about. But the main question is going to be, how well is Marcus Mariota going to perform at quarterback this year? Now, he's being reunited with Arthur Smith. Both him and Smith have ties going back to when they were both on Tennessee. So Marcus Mariota has been a backup for the Las Vegas Raiders for the last couple of years. He's finally getting another another opportunity to start. And he does have really good mobility. He isn't all that bad. The reason why he kind of fizzled out in Tennessee was the fact that he really couldn't stay healthy. Now, Marcus Mariota doesn't pan out. You do have rookie out of Cincinnati and Desmond Ritter. But Marcus Mariota has already been announced the starter for right now. But the defense, you have concerns when it comes to the pass rush. I don't really think the secondary is all that great. My best case scenario for the Atlanta Falcons this year is 5-12. and 12. I mean, outside of defensive tackle Grady Jarrett, you don't really have anybody who is a proven productive pass rusher. At linebacker, you do have Rashawn Evans, Deion Jones. Deion Jones had a down year in 2021. Hopefully, he can come back to his former self. Um, Rashawn Evans is solid, but... You do have A.J. Terrell in the secondary who was a top three corner last season. He was phenomenal. I think he's going to continue to produce at a really high level. Isaiah Oliver is probably going to end up sliding in to nickel along with Casey Hayward on the outside. And even though Casey Hayward is up there in age, he's like 32 years old, he still is pretty decent. But at safety, I'm not really thrilled about Jalen Hawkins, Richie Grant, So for this defense, you have concerns when it comes to your pass rush. Are you going to be able to stop the run? Offensively, are you going to be able to have success with this offensive line? They're probably going to end up experimenting with many different lineups before we get to week one. So if the offensive line can, you know, at least be decent, they could get the five wins. I think that the quarterback play is going to be okay, but... Overall, I can't really see the Falcons winning no more than five games max simply for the fact that this is an offense that doesn't really have a lot of firepower outside of Kyle Pitts and Drake London. I don't really know how productive the passing game is going to be per se. The run game is going to be really good simply for the fact that Marcus Mariota is a really good athlete. He's going to do a good amount of damage in the ground game for Atlanta, but I really have concerns about this offense being able to generate big plays and for this defense are they going to be able to slow down the run game and are they going to have success getting pressure on the quarterback my worst case scenario for the Atlanta Falcons this year is 1 in 16 this is one of the least most talented teams in the NFL they don't have a lot of proven talent on either end of the football on top of that their offensive line is amongst the worst in the league going into this season I don't really think it's going to improve all that much so there's not really a lot of talent here on either side you do have a couple of key players but not a lot so I definitely think that there is a huge chance that Atlanta could only win one game this year and then when you look at their schedule okay I think that they have some winnable matchups 
but their schedule is amongst the tough in the in, the toughest in the NFL. Okay, your first two games you're playing against the Saints, the Rams. Then you do get to play Seattle on the road, and Seattle also isn't really going to be all that great. So that's a winnable matchup. But then you got to play the Browns. Even without Deshaun Watson, they're going to be a tough matchup simply for how good they are at other positions. The Buccaneers, the 49ers, the Bengals on the road. You got to play Carolina twice. Carolina could be really interesting. You could potentially split with them. You got to play the Chargers. The Bears is another winnable matchup. But for Atlanta, their schedule is just incredibly tough. And with the talent that they have on this team, I definitely think there is a possible chance that they could only win one game. But my record prediction for Atlanta this year it's 2-15. and 15. It's just so many concerns. And of course, Atlanta Falcons fans are going to get upset. They're going to say, we're going to be better than 2-15. and 15. I don't really know because did the Atlanta Falcons really just get better? Or are they just kind of the same team that they were last year minus Matt Ryan? Because the wide receiver position isn't really all that fantastic. I am excited about Drake London and you are going to have Kyle Pitts there. But you need more. Okay, is your defense going to be able to get off the field on third down? Are they going to be able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback? Are they going to be able to have better success success against the run this year? Don't really know, and I don't really have a lot of confidence in because they didn't really do all that much to improve those areas. So I think they could end up competing for the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. But you guys let me know your record predictions for the Atlanta Falcons down in the comment section down below. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers went 13-4 last season. They were defeated by the LA Rams in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. They have a new head coach in Todd Bowles who is going to be taking over for Bruce Arians who stepped down to take a front office role with the Bucks. And out of all of the new head coaches going into this season, it's safe to say that Todd Bowles has the easiest job out of all of them. This is one of the best rosters in the NFL. You also have Tom Brady coming back for what pretty much should be his last year in the NFL. But hey, you never know. Tom Brady might just decide to run it back for two or three more seasons. I think that Tom Brady could end up playing football for as long as he wants to. But you do have some concerns on the offensive line, mainly center because Ryan Jensen recently went down with a injury and he's pretty much going to miss a significant amount of time. So you have a question there at center and center is one of the most important positions in the NFL simply for the fact that your center is the quarterback of your offensive line and nine times out of 10, if you have a great offensive line, you have a great center as well. But outside of center, left tackle Donovan Smith is solid. We already know about Tristan Riffs, who's already one of the best offensive tacklers in the game. Shaq Mason at right guard. Now, wide receiver, you're absolutely stacked. You signed Julio Jones, even though you didn't really need him. But why not? You're probably going to have him starting on the outside, opposite side of Mike Evans. You slide Chris Godwin into the slot. It's just the rich get richer. And even before they signed Julio Jones, they had Russell Gage, who I felt was going to be an underrated free agency signing. Now, I don't really know what role Russell Gage is going to have in this offense now with the addition of Julio Jones. You also had Tyler Johnson. I mean, they're absolutely loaded. And my best case scenario 
for Tampa Bay is going to be 14 and three. We know that the Buccaneers are going to be really good on offense. They're going to have one of the most talented offenses in the NFL. Leonard Fournette had a really good season for them. You also have rookie out of Arizona State, Rashad White, who I like a lot. I think he could end up being their primary pass catching back in this offense. And then this defense is going to be better this season than what it was last year. Because remember, the Buccaneers had a good amount of injuries in their secondary. So you're going to be fully healthy, which is going to boost up this defense. And then you have still a really good defensive line. William Golson, Villavea, Hakeem Higgs. You also have Joe Teron, who could end up having a breakout season for the Buccaneers this year as well, alongside uh, Shaq Barrett. And we already know they have one of the best linebacker duos in the NFL with Devin White and Levante David. A question I have is, Is Devin White going to improve in pass coverage? Because Devin White can do everything but cover at a really high level. So if he ends up improving his pass coverage slightly, then he could potentially end up being the best linebacker in the NFL because there's not a single thing that Devin White can't do outside of coverage. So if his pass coverage improves, I think it's safe to say that he most likely will end up becoming the best linebacker in the NFL. So overall, when you look at this team, it's really hard to find any flaws and any weaknesses. And your main concern is going to be, what if Tom Brady ends up having father time finally catching up to him? Because we saw what happened to Peyton Manning in 2015. Father time kind of came out of nowhere and he ended up retiring, winning a Super Bowl, but he wasn't playing at a high level. And you got to wonder if that's going to happen to Tom Brady. But even if it does happen... The Buccaneers have a good enough roster to carry Tom Brady if he ends up kind of having a huge regression this season. And my worst case scenario for the Buccaneers is 11-6. Okay, maybe Tom Brady has a little bit of some father time catch up to him this year but even if that does happen he still should play out a good enough level that the Buccaneers should be able to win no less than 11 games because the defense is going to be really good the run game is going to be there with Leonard Fournette and even if Leonard Fournette gets injured you have good enough depth behind him to step in and still produce at a high level and on top of that you know maybe Todd Bowles ends up improving as a head coach compared to the last time he was a head coach with the New York Jets. He wasn't really all that bad when he was last a head coach in New York. So overall for Tampa Bay, I don't really see them having a bad year where they just fall off the map. This is one of the most complete rosters in the NFL, which is why I have them at 13 and four this season. They do have a really tough schedule. You have to play on the road in Dallas week one. You got to play New Orleans. They always play the Buccaneers really tough. And on top of that, even though they do have a new head coach in Dennis Allen, he formerly was their defensive coordinator. He served as their DC for over the last couple of years. 
So the New Orleans Saints always have the recipe to slow down Tom Brady. Plus, they improved on the offense when it comes to the wide receiver position. You have Jameis Winston coming back fully healthy. That defense is still going to be incredibly good. So New Orleans potentially could be in the running for winning this division. You got to play Green Bay, Kansas City. You get to play Atlanta twice, you should take care of them. I don't think the Falcons are going to be all that great. You got to play Pittsburgh on the road. It's always tough to win on the road in Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh doesn't really look like their offense is going to be all that improved compared to last year. You got to play Carolina, Baltimore, the Rams, which is pretty much going to be the game of the year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because really the question that we got to ask for Tampa Bay is, are they going to be able to get back to the Super Bowl this year? Because this is a roster that's really good. However, the Rams are also really good as well. And the Rams also are a team that has the recipe for being able to have success against Tom Brady because we already know the blueprint to being able to slow down Tom Brady. You got to get in his face and you got to get consistent pressure on him. Now, before they go into their bye week, which is late in the middle portion of November, they got to play Seattle. And then after that, coming off their bye, they're playing Cleveland. Hopefully, Deshaun Watson will be able to play in that game. We don't really know what's going on with him and his situation. You got New Orleans on a Monday night, San Francisco, Cincinnati. Then you close the season off playing the Cardinals on the road, Carolina, and Atlanta. So, even though this is one of the toughest schedules in the NFL, you're playing Cincinnati, you're playing the LA Rams, you're playing some of the best teams in the NFL this year, this still should be a team that should be able to win 13 games and they should have amongst one of the best records in the NFL. And I think they're probably going to end up vying for that number one overall seed in the NFC. The NFC conference, as I have stated several times throughout this podcast, isn't all that great outside of three teams, not counting the Buccaneers. You have the Packers and the Rams, but outside of that, It's pretty much anybody's guess who's going to end up becoming the other couple of teams to end up clinching their playoff spots and winning their respective divisions. So let me know your record predictions for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in the comment section down below. Last season, the New Orleans Saints went 9-8. and And most people out there will tell you that the Saints overachieved last year because going into the 2021 NFL season, the majority of people out there thought that the Saints were not going to have a winning record. There were concerns about Jameis Winston, how he was going to perform at quarterback. Also, the wide receiver room was one of the worst in the NFL. However, the Saints were able to win nine games and they came really close to making it into the playoffs. And what was even more impressive was the fact that they were still in playoff contention even when Jameis Winston went down with his season-ending injury. And you got to remember that the Saints had abysmal quarterback play. They had Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, Ian Book, who had the starter game, and yet they were still able to stay afloat. And I think that was a testament to how great of a job Sean Payton did as the head coach for New Orleans last year. Now, he's gone, he retired, and Dennis Allen is going to be stepping in in replace of him. Now, the New Orleans Saints have one of the most talented rosters in the whole entire NFL. And Dennis Allen, this isn't his first ever gig as a head coach. He formerly was the head coach of the, at the then time, Oakland Raiders. And he didn't really do a good job there. But 
with him getting a second opportunity, he has a better chance for success this go around simply for the fact that he has way more talent to work with this time compared to what he had with the Oakland Raiders. And not to mention, the Raiders were a dumpster fire back then. They still kind of are a dumpster fire now. But you have people who keep on asking JT with Sean Payton gone, the offense is going to take a step back in production. No, it's not. You want to know why? Because they have offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael, who has been with this franchise ever since Sean Payton arrived in 2006. And every single year that Pete Carmichael has called the plays for the New Orleans Saints, they have had at least a top five offense or better. So if you are a non-Saints fan and you're watching this video, Pete Carmichael as their offensive coordinator, they're not going to take a step back offensively. And plus, you got to remember that this team wasn't good when you look at the wide receiver room. Now you improve that. You sign Jarvis Landry in free agency. You draft rookie wideout Chris Olave in the first round out of Ohio State from this past year's NFL draft. And you have Michael Thomas coming back fully healthy. Not, for, not to forget, you have tied in Adam Trotham who potentially could have a breakout season. So the New Orleans Saints have one of the most talented offenses in the NFL. When you look at the offensive line, yeah, you did lose left tackle to Ron Armstead to the Miami Dolphins in free agency, but you did draft Trevor Penning, who has been making a lot of headlines so far throughout training camp for the Saints. He's been in three fights so far, and hopefully he ends up winning that starting left tackle job, but he has kind of been labeled as a developmental offensive tackle prospect, so maybe he might not start right away. But outside of the left tackle position, you do have a really good offensive line. Left guard is pretty much secure with Andreas Pete there. Eric McCoy is really good at that center position. Ryan Ramzik is one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. You do have Alvin Kamara in the backfield as well. Mark Ingram, even though he's getting up there in age, he still is able to produce really well as a RB2. And the defense, we already know with Dennis Allen still remaining on the staff, now he's just the head coach with him pretty much overseeing the defense still. This is going to be one of the most talented defenses in the NFL. So my best case scenario for the New Orleans Saints this season is 13-4. and I think that the Saints are going to have the best defense in the NFL this year. Because when you look at this defense on paper, this not only is one of the most talented defenses in the NFL, but this is probably the most deepest defense that we see going into this year because they have a lot of depth at every single position, especially in the secondary. And that's why I'm so excited about this Saints defense because not only does this secondary have great quality starters, but they also have great quality depth as well. But when you look at their starters at safety, Everybody was like, oh, JT, what are you going to do with the loss of Marcus Williams? Well, they go ahead and they bring in Marcus May, Tyran Matthew, the Honey Badger. And I didn't even know that Marcus May was on the New Orleans Saints until I recently did a video about how good their defense was going to be not too long ago. And Marcus May is probably the most underrated safety in the NFL. We already know what the Honey Badger does. And then when you look at their cornerback position, Marshawn Lattimore had a phenomenal season in 2021. He's one of the best corners in the league. You have 
CJ Gardner-Johnson, a.k.a. Mr. Deuce Deuce. Paulson Debo had a pretty solid rookie season. Now, he didn't have as good as a rookie season as guys like Eric Stoltz or Patrick Sertan. But he played pretty well considering the fact that he was a mid-round pick. And I think that he's going to improve this year. You also do have Bradley Roby. Now, I don't know if he's going to get traded or if he's going to remain on the roster. But you also do have P.J. Williams as well. So you have a lot of depth when it comes to your secondary. At linebacker, you have Pete Warner, Demario Davis, who still happens to be one of the best linebackers in the game. Your pass rush is still going to be really good. Marcus Davenport, Cameron Jordan. Like, this defense is stacked. And it's a large reason why I'm so high on New Orleans and why their ceiling is as high as what it is. And then on offense, as I mentioned earlier, you do have Pete Carmichael who's going to be taking over the play calling every time that he has called plays for the Saints. They have had one of the best offenses in the NFL. And for the people who are going to say, well, JT, they have Mr. 30 and 30, Jameis Winston. I'm not going to continue to allow you guys to slander my boy, Jameis Winston. If you don't know, I am a Jameis Winston fan. He is my favorite NFL player of all time. Don't ask me why. That's a story for a different day. But Jameis Winston was a different quarterback in 2021 than what he was when he last was starting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't forget, Jameis Winston had the best touchdown-to-interception ratio in the NFL before he went down with his injury. 14 touchdowns, only 3 interceptions. Not to mention, the New Orleans Saints had a 5-2 record, and they pretty much would have made it to the playoffs if he would have stayed healthy. And think about this. Jameis Winston now has a better group of wide receivers to throw the football to this year. Jameis Winston most likely is going to win comeback player of the year. Either him, Derrick Henry, or Chase Young. But I'm putting my money on famous Jameis. I'm so tired of you guys slandering my boy Jameis Winston. This is a different quarterback now than what he was a couple of years ago when he threw those 30 interceptions. And even then... All those 30 interceptions were not his fault. I'm just tired of the Jameis Winston slander. Like, everything he does, people got to try to make a meme out of it. And, And I get it. He's funny. You know, his interviews are really quirky and stuff like that. But... I'm so tired of y'all harping on my dude, Jameis Winston, man. Like, have some faith in my guy. Give him an opportunity. I promise you, when the Saints end up making it to the playoffs this year, it's largely going to be because of Jameis Winston. Don't be surprised if Jameis Winston ends up being the MVP candidate. You can screen record it, screenshot it, do whatever you got to do. My boy Jameis Winston is going to ball out this year. And I promise you, I'm not trolling. If you have listened to this podcast for some time now, you guys would genuinely know that I am a diehard Jameis Winston fan. If there was a leader of the Jameis Winston fan club, I would probably be the president of it. So, for New Orleans, best best case scenario, 13-4. Now, my worst case scenario for this team is 7-10. Now, the reason why I have them at 7 and 10 is simply due to the fact that what if Dennis Allen still is the same head coach that he was when he was with the Oakland Raiders? And even if you do have a talented roster, you can still underachieve because coaching matters. Coaching is one of the most important things that people overlook when it comes to doing these predictions because they judge teams by how they do on paper and they don't take the coaching into a factor. What if... Dennis Allen isn't really good at late game 
clock management. And it ends up costing the Saints a couple of key games. So I definitely think their worst case scenario is 7-10. and 10. That's just if Dennis Allen doesn't show that he is a improved head coach compared to when he was last a head coach for the Oakland Raiders. But my overall record prediction for the Saints this year is going to be 10-7. and 7. Their schedule is pretty tough. And, you know, even though I am a Jameis Winston fan, Jameis Winston still does have to prove to everybody that he is indeed a better quarterback now than what he was when he was with the Tempe Buccaneers. And Dennis Allen still has a lot to prove also. We know that he's a phenomenal defensive mind, but we don't know how good he is as a head coach because he hasn't coached a single game officially as the full-time head coach for New Orleans. And the only thing that we can really go on right now is what he last did when he was in Oakland. So, For the New Orleans Saints, if you do have some concerns about New Orleans due to quarterback or who their head coach is, I can understand that. But this should at least be a 10-win team. I know my worst-case scenario was seven wins, but honestly, they shouldn't win no less than nine games. Worst case. But, you know, the 7-10 is just if the head coaching isn't all that great. But I do think that Dennis Allen will be pretty solid as their head coach. I think that now with him getting a second opportunity, he's going to learn and improve from what went wrong when he was with the Raiders. He's going to make adjustments. And on top of that, this is pretty much the same coaching staff that has been with Sean Payton for years. They may have a couple of slight changes to whoever their positional coaches is, but the main core of guys are still there, such as P. Carmichael. He's going to be instrumental And the success that New Orleans is going to have on offense, they are going to be way more talented than what they were last year at wide receiver. This defense is going to be amongst the best in the NFL. 10-7 is going to be my prediction for New Orleans for the 2022 NFL season. The Carolina Panthers last season went 5-12. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. This team broke my heart in 2021 because I thought that this was at least going to be an eight-win team that was going to compete for a spot in the postseason. And the main reason for why the Carolina Panthers disappointed last season was because they only had three good weeks of quarterback play. And after that, the wheels just completely fell off the rails. But Matt Rule is going into his third season as the head coach for Carolina. And this pretty much is his make-or-break season. This is his Super Bowl This is his game seven. And the reason why I have more optimism and more confidence in Matt Rule going into this season than most people is because everywhere Matt Rule has been, Baylor, Temple, he has always won big his third season. So I think that this could be the year that Carolina finally puts it all together. You finally have a quarterback in Baker Mayfield. And I've already told people this several times. Baker Mayfield is not a bad quarterback. Baker Mayfield is a really good quarterback when you give him a good team around him, a good group of wide receivers, a run game, and a solid offensive line. Carolina has that. You drafted Akimi Kwanu in the first round out of NC State. Although I don't like the comments that Matt Rule made about him a couple of days ago saying that he has a long way to go until he's named the starter at life tackle. Listen, if Akimi Kwanu is not ready to start week one, I promise to God I'm going to be one of the first people protesting for Matt Rule to get fired. Because 
why would you draft somebody in the first round when you know your job is on the line and then they're not ready to start right away? That just doesn't make any sense. Why would you draft a developmental left tackle if he can't start week one? And then another thing is that if Equipment Kwanu is not able to start week one, that's not an indictment on him per se. It's more of an indictment on you and your staff because you should have this guy ready to play come week one. So if Akimi Kwanu is not starting week one, then forget everything that I've said and I'm about to say in this video that's positive about the Carolina Panthers. Now, you have Bradley Bozeman who had a really good season last year. Austin Corbett, who you signed in free agency, who formerly was with the LA Rams, is pretty good. And Taylor Morin is one of the better offensive tackles in the game. Not to mention, your wide receiver position is pretty solid. DJ Morris, the most underrated wide receiver in the game. Robbie Anderson is a really good deep threat when he's able to remember how to catch the football. And Terrence Marshall could be something special in the slot. You also have Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, so your tight end position is pretty good. And hopefully CMC can stay healthy. So my best case scenario for Carolina is 11-6. All Carolina needs is some good quarterback play. They don't even need a lead or great quarterback play. They just need somebody who can take care of the football and get the job done because this defense is going to be absolutely phenomenal this year. This is one of the best up-and-coming young defenses in the NFL. You got Brian Burns. Derek Brown, you get Matt Ioannidis, who although he's getting up there in age, he's still pretty productive. Your two gross Matus could be in for a great year. The linebacker position, a lot of Panthers fans aren't really all that high on Shaq Thompson, but I mean, I think he's all right. Okay, your linebackers may not be anything special, but I mean... You can make up for it since the fact that you have a good defensive line and your secondary also should be really good. Dante Jackson is solid. You got CJ Henderson. JC Horn is coming back after getting his rookie season cut short. And we already know that Jeremy Chen is one of the best young safeties in the NFL. So the defense is going to be good. The question is, is this offense going to be able to sustain drives and put up points? Because last year, the Carolina Panthers defense could have been a lot better than what it was, but simply for the fact that the offense wasn't able to get nothing going. The defense was on the field for more plays than what they should have been on the field for. So if the offense can be efficient, sustained drives is going to help out the defense because then the defense is going to be on the field for less plays, which is going to improve the overall play as the de of the defense as a whole. Now, offensively, I think that Baker Mayfield is finally going to be the answer. Baker Mayfield is not a bad quarterback. As long as you give him the keys to the key, to the whip, he can get you to your destination, okay? And for Baker Mayfield, I feel like he kind of has been villainized unfairly. It's crazy because in 2020, after the Cleveland Browns made it to the playoffs, right? Everybody was praising how great of a leader Baker Mayfield was. They were viewing him as a savior as the Cleveland Browns franchise. And all of a sudden, one year later, the Browns missed the playoffs. Baker Mayfield has a disappointing season, mainly due to injuries, and all of a sudden, the narrative about him just switches. So I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield, and maybe I am just a tad bit biased. I'm not a Panthers fan. I'm just I'm just a big fan of underdog stories. I'm a big chance of second chances. And I'm really rooting for Baker Mayfield to make things work out. And I don't think that Baker Mayfield is going to end up being like Sam Darnold. He's not a project quarterback. He's not somebody who just needs to be fixed from the ground up. He's just somebody who just really needs 
somebody to believe in him. He needs somebody to give him a shot. Because Baker Mayfield, one thing about this guy, this guy has been an underdog his whole entire life. This guy had to walk on, what, twice? And he ended up being the first overall pick and a Heisman Trophy winner. This is somebody who puts a lot of time and effort into his craft. Like, I'm not really concerned about Baker Mayfield this year. And I'm willing to put money that Baker Mayfield ends up working out at quarterback for Carolina. Not a lot of money. I'll probably hit you with 10 or $20, but I think that Baker Mayfield is going to be the answer for Carolina at quarterback, and that's why my best-case scenario for this team is 11-6. Now, my worst-case scenario for Carolina is 6-11. and 11. Now, okay, what if I'm wrong about Baker Mayfield? What if the Carolina Panthers once again whiff on quarterback? And then on top of that, the linebacker play drastically impacts the play of the defense and Carolina is unable to stop the run and they're unable to cover the middle of the field due to poor linebacker play that also could hold them back as well and then Matt Rule just ends up not just being a good coach and that fully gets shown in his third year and he's not able to make it work so 6-11 and 11 is my worst case for Carolina if everything goes left. My overall record prediction for this team is going to be 9-8. and eight. I was going to go 10 wins, but they do have a really tough schedule. You have some games in there that you should be able to win, such as the Giants. You play Atlanta twice. You also get to play the Seattle Seahawks and the Detroit Lions. So those are all winnable games. But outside of those matchups, they're going to be in some really, really tough games. I mean, week one, you're playing against the Cleveland Browns, but it's going to be without Deshaun Watson. So you could win that one. And then you get to play the New York Giants on the road so you should be able to go 2-0 and then you got to play the Saints and the Cardinals so maybe you could upset Arizona I think New Orleans potentially could be an upset since that is your divisional opponent and you do play them twice so you could potentially upset them once so maybe Carolina starts the season off with three losses and then you get to play Atlanta there. So there you go. That's, you know, six wins at that point. So really for Carolina, I'm really just looking at stability at quarterback. Because last year we've seen what the Carolina Panthers can do if they just have okay quarterback play. Because your defense is going to keep you in the majority of games that you're going to be in this year. Really, it's just all about can this offense be efficient, can you sustain drives, and can you take care of the football? And I think they can do that because this roster is just way too good for Carolina to at least not be able to get into the NFC playoffs as a seventh or sixth seed. And I think they're more than capable of that. And I believe in Baker Mayfield. I'm not like a diehard Baker Mayfield fan, but I am a fan of the second chance. And America is the land of second opportunity. That At least that's what they tried to say in the history books. So for Baker Mayfield... I think that he is going to be the quarterback that's finally going to be able to somewhat solve Carolina's quarterback woes. And I think if he ends up panning out, as I think that he will, then I think that the Carolina Panthers will end up winning nine games and they will be able to sneak into the playoffs this season. So let me know how you guys feel about the Carolina Panthers. How many games do you have them winning down in the comment section down below? And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Remember that the JT Sports Podcast is available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. The JT Sports Podcast is available. And I'll see you guys shortly with another episode.